So then, so then, they dragged it to the waterside and threw it the fuck in. Oh, glorious. It was. It really glorious. actually was because there is a difference between history and venerating and celebrating racists. Yes. So how many family members have you wanted to unfriend this week? (laughs) Because I can count on at least two hands family members where I'm like, well, next time I have a get together, you are not going to be on the invite list. I'm not going to tell you why. To be fair, to be fair, Um, any friends slash family that uh, I thought were problematic have already been muted. So it's not really a problem for me. <laughs> I'm already the in wor- the echo chamber. The worst part for me is just a family member who's constantly putting out this really, really misjudged. Like they're not putting out um, blatantly racist stuff. They're putting out, well, you see, it's like this and this, that, and the other. And you read it, and you go, oh my god, do you not realise why you're being racist? Is it a bit of what aboutisms? Yeah, a lot like of what aboutisms. And their, one of their children is, and I, I love them to death for this, and I really do need to send them a message and just be like, well done for keeping at this, is just battering them back in the comments. It's like properly educating and fighting them. Because I think they're of an age where they're not going to learn. No, <laughs> they're not going to change no, their mind. Sad. But the um, fact that they're willing to try, like to try and change their mind is like, oh my God, that is so admirable. I mean, we're in a suburban area with a relatively aged population, and a lot of them are just fucking ignorant and racist, so... Mm. It's it's an occupational hazard, I suppose, if you're dealing with people day in, day out, as we are going to be doing more of over the next couple of weeks as everything starts to ill-advisedly open up, um, mm. which I'm not looking forward to. Welcome to the big damn COVID-19 is cured, question mark, podcast. My name is Christopher. I stopped washing my hands years ago. Johnson. Uh, my name is Matthew. Little Britain was never funny, Watson. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, my God. Can we get into that first? Can we get into all this first? Yes, po- please. Uh, pop culture news, everybody. Nerd news, geeky gossip, all the stuff that's fit to fill your time until we all shuffle off this mortal coil. But holy fuck. Okay, so amidst uh, the, the, the outpouring of genuine humanity... That has been on show with the Black Lives Matter protests around the world. Oh, the humanity! Um, yeah, as 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 a massive uh, reaction to the murder, because murder is the correct word, of George Floyd, uh, two weeks ago now in the United States by a police officer, and the um, you know, the complete negligence and essentially uh, accessory to murderness behavior of the three other officers who just stood by and didn't do anything. Um, the world has been ongoing with protests uh, in in favor of Black Lives Matter and, and and you know trying to make a difference in the freaking world, which is great because we're already in a month that celebrates marginalized um, minorities, which in this case, so it's Pride Month. So it's like, yes, oh my God, there are sane, beautiful people in the world. Ah, sorry. Oh my God, who uh, uh, and there's one of them now. Um, I was saying people Twitter in the world. The sound came on. I'm going to turn the tablet. <laughs> they um, you know, they they've all come out to like. You know, protest where they can. Uh, what's wonderful is a lot of the protests are people wearing face masks and they're taking social distancing uh, as much as they can. There are people who are going to one protest and then after they've been to that, they are self-isolating for two weeks afterwards to make sure everybody is safe and themselves are safe. Well done. Proper protocols. Excellent work. 
never stop protesting at this point. Mm. Statues of racists torn down. Yay! Yay! But it did so much for Bristol. But it did so much for Bristol. Yeah, yeah, using money that he got off of abusing and selling people's ancestors. Get Not a good thing. In the sea. Do we tear the churches down that you helped build? No, but you acknowledge that they were made with slave money. So, shut the fuck up. Anyway. Um, but as a, as a result, media at large is now kind of looking in on itself and going, you know, where can we where can we trim the fat? Where can we get rid of the hateful material? Now, instead of going straight for the jugular of, like, actual racist output of the day, stuff that's being made now with intent to harm and offend and 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 cause misery uh you know things like uh news news sources like infowars things like that you know um twats like uh, keemstar who hosts drama alert on youtube one of the biggest shows on youtube who famously very early in his career like screamed the n-word at people like you know actual sources of active racial hatred let us no longer They've... say his name yeah um let's just call him the gnome uh and then throw him in the sea with the, the statue gnome. um People have instead been looking to censor stuff that has had complaints in the past. Yeah. Not a bad course of action. Um, but it has now led into this thing where people are going, oh, he's nothing sacred anymore. Oh, I'm going to have to hold them to my Faulty Towers DVDs because Manuel is... Blah, 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 blah. Shut the fuck up. If you are white and there is a depiction of a non-white character in something ever, it is not your place to decide whether or not that thing is offensive or harmful. It's not your place to do that. It mm. isn't. Um, you can observe it and understand, and certainly some things give off an immediate vibe of, oh, Jesus, that's not right. Oh, my God. But it's not up to you to decide. That being said, um, I think the decision made here by Netflix was an interesting one, because Netflix in UK meet... and iPlayer and BritBox. Yeah, yeah, because... Uh, mm. The first instance in UK media of this happening last week was Lee Francis, the man behind um, Overplayed, and even he clearly doesn't want to do it anymore, comedy creation Keith Lemon, but more notably to like our generation, Avid Merian and Bo Selector. That's more what we know him for, like his first breakout role on Channel 4. Yeah. He released a video on Instagram <clears throat> where he was like, I've, I've been doing a lot of thinking this last week in, in relation to everything that's going on in the world, and... I realized that I may have caused discomfort and upset for the for black individuals watching the black characters that I played on Bo Selector. And I want to say I'm I am sorry I'm sorry for that. At no point did anyone during that run of the show when it was at its height did anyone confront me on it. But I know now that that doesn't mean there wasn't an issue with it and I'm sure there were people I upset and I'm so sorry for that. And it was like Good on you, because for those unfamiliar, Boss Selector was a sketch show where yeah. celebrity, not celebrity impressions, but weird cartoon characters that yeah, had face masks that looked like celebrities. Try to act yeah. or sound like the people he was lampooning. It was and that, just that was part most... of the fun of it. Yeah, it was just what is this? The only the only one really was Michael Jackson used Michael Jackson isms and yeah. and like you know physicality, but the rest of them were you know Craig David was. If, I think the character's kind of... Just very leads and all this. And like that was basically the character. And he was obsessed with his pet falcon for some reason. Their behavior is, 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 yeah. is Kez. Um, uh, is, yeah. <laughs> so so uh, Kez. the behaviour 
of the characters, it feels, came like the... I, I think, like, the masks came first. The sort of caricature yeah. masks came first. Yeah. And then he just made up characters for them, which happened like Marilyn to Manson the same was, names as... Yeah, Marilyn yeah. Manson was a posh man who liked... Yeah, um, really weird. Who who liked... Uh, uh, oh, my God, what are they called? The manatees. Thingies, uh, manatees. And sculpting mashed potato like in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah, into ladies' tuppence. Yeah, like oh, wicked. Like it was just, you know, it was so divorced. From yeah, from the actual, actual people, even caricatures of those people. But still, but still, he's Blackface, he's real. Like, he has acknowledged that um, for Craig David, he would wear face makeup to match the skin tone of the mask. Mm-hmm. Um, Craig David was probably the, the biggest breakout character from the show. Mel B. Uh, Trisha, Trisha Goddard. Yes. Uh, who, who is the, who like, again, my opinion is invalid in terms of what actually is offensive here because, you know, I'm, I'm a white man looking at this material. Off the top of my head, Trisha was the only one I could think of at first as like, oh shit, that one's actually a caricature because he played her as like a stereotypical Jamaican mom, basically. Yeah, and, like very, and, you know, very... Uh, yeah, Jamaican and he, and he didn't he didn't like you know it, again it's the whole thing of just the skin tone of his the upper half of his face has been made to match the mask but still that is it is a form of blackface yeah um, Michael, Jackson, the Michael Jackson Michael Jackson although the... the mask was an odd one mm. um, and and yeah like you say Mel B although Mel B in the past has been asked about it and she said like she personally in terms of the individual celebrity she was like she personally didn't take offense because she just thought it was fucking hilarious that. It was this grotesque goblin character, yeah. and for some reason, it was her. And you know, and Craig David, like, there's been different reports about what he thinks of it. A lot of people use the thing that Bo Selector ruined Craig David's career, but keep in mind, Bo Selector kept going after he stopped making albums for a bit anyway. And you know, he also was in on the joke at one point. He had Lee Francis do something with his tour. He appeared on Bo Selector as Craig Davis, the Craig David tribute act. Like, it was, <laughs> you know, it's, it's. But that being said, you know. These are still individuals who who were, were like who were black or were born black, like with a complexion and everything, and and where they're from and 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 so he's gone. I know no one ever confronted me on it, but looking at what's been going on in the world the last few days, I can't help but think there must have been people upset by this. And if there were, I'm so I'm so sorry to all of you. Yeah. Like you know, I'm I'm here to learn. Because again, he's not done these characters for fifteen plus years. In some instances, a few of them he's done for specials, but like he's making a point of just saying like it's wrong, and I'm sorry if I hurt anyone. And it was like, wow, good on you, man. Of course, you had a lot of people responding with like, you don't have to apologize for anything. It's funny. People can't take a joke. All of them white people, obviously. It's just comedy. Um, it's just comedy, Chris. It's <laughs> just comedy for God's sake. Well, there's the the no the, oh, the PC brigade are gonna take everything. Well, there has now been a snowball effect. Netflix, iPlayer, and BritBox, two of which are owned by BBC, have pulled Little Britain completely from their their service. And come fly Little with Britain. And come fly with now. Two different. I've got two different opinions on this one. Okay. Little Britain, Little Britain sketch show about the people of Britain was made at a time when uh, the BBC were actually pushing for more grotesque and um, daring unquote content for its mainstream comedy they were looking for stuff to provoke people yeah um so everyone involved in the creation of the show like i don't hold like personally and looking at this from the point of view of someone who's worked in production i don't hold like walliams lucas um 
you know, like uh, Bendelak, like all the people who worked on it, I don't hold them completely accountable for this being an offensive thing because it's part of the, it was part of the culture of the time. They were being very much like given, oh yes, yes, that, that, more of that, more of that from behind the scenes. It doesn't excuse it though. It doesn't excuse it, but it's like they didn't set out to be, oh my God, let's make this because people are going to hate it. It was, oh my God, let's make this because people are going to hate it. Do you know what I mean? Like the thing at the time was we want yeah, to provoke I think everybody. that just speaks to the, how ingrained certain is in, racism in is, in, is in yeah. British society, you know? Yeah. So the way to deal the way to deal with it and the way to have dealt with this years ago, considering Little Britain is one that gets brought up a lot in terms of, I can't believe this was as recent as the 2000s. The way to have dealt with it is to deal with it the way Lee Francis did. Just be like, look, we now know how much hurt this caused. We never meant that. We are so sorry for that. And just make that blanket statement and then pull it if people deem it necessary to pull it. But here's the thing with Little Britain. Um, and I've said this on Twitter. That I will. That Little Britain is not a hill I will ever die on. Nope. <laughs> um like ever i full disclosure i really enjoyed the first series and i have revisited it since and enjoyed it i've never enjoyed anything i've seen past that which at the time of recording this and probably forever was series two as soon as i watched series two i was like oh this is just kind of the same but they've added some more gross stuff in and i think we also Um, have little britain to thank question mark for (laughs) like a wave of shitty sketch shows that came after that oh and yeah similarly, oh like mm. catchphrasey um i mean the catchphrase yeah. sketch show wasn't a new thing when little britain did it but it kind of oh no no it existed off but... of the wave even fucking matthew on and james corden had a go at one crying out loud i mean ca- catchphrase comedy prior to little britain catchphrase comedy was called that because there were just catchphrases that recurred but they were never the punchline so like the fast show didn't have catchphrases that were the punchline. They were just funny lines that were used by characters like often, but they were never like, "Oh, this is the put." You know, it wasn't like you could you could argue, for example, Bugs Bunny is a catchphrase comedy character because you're like, "Yeah, hey, what's up, Jack?" Like he has certain lines that recur, yeah, yeah. but they're never like the punchline. Whereas Little Britain, the punchline was the catchphrase, and you're like, "Oh god, this is so low common denominator." Again. Still quite enjoy series one, but I think that's because I enjoy the oddness of series one. Series two is where they really start to get into um, fatophobia in particular. Uh, they start to really double down on stuff that is now very blatantly l- not intended transphobic, but is lazy transphobic comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lazy and then series. Yeah. I mean, Little Britain is essentially lazy stereotypes the series. Yeah, like, oh, that, yeah. that's what it is. And and another that was another thing where it, odd the context is oddly key in this is that at the time they were also they they did uh, and this is like in the script books and the, uh, there's interviews about this out and about at the time because it was a two man show like there were other cast members but they were mostly playing the majority of the characters yeah so they had to make the decision between either because they wanted to represent the we- the wealth and breadth of Britain so they had to basically make the decision that all the characters were white. Or they would play different ethnicities so that the show would reflect Britain as a whole. They went with the second, which I think any sane person now would look at and go, yeah, maybe that, don't do that. That was a poor decision. Maybe don't fucking do that. Yeah, it's not a decision but, that's aged well. But I remember existing in 2001, 2002, when that series first came out. 
you remember existing in 2002. I speak for myself here and tell me how you were feeling at the time. I, when I watched that initially, didn't strike me as wrong because I'm white, I'm privileged, and I didn't have that immediate connection of anybody who was like, I don't like what they're doing there. Like, uh, I see them I mean, taking I, a piss out of me. I didn't think it was funny. Yeah. But... <laughs> That's fair enough. That's I a given. I think we can take as a given that you didn't find any of it funny. I didn't necessarily <laughs> think it was problematic per se. Now, over um, the years, we've listened and we have like met more people and we have learned and we've seen this and gone, yeah, that's wrong. Like that was wrong. But you can also acknowledge that at the time, it wasn't widely two parts of the culture seen as wrong doesn't excuse it no but it adds but it puts it in a context which is why little britain's removal completely is an odd one because warner brothers have dealt with this in the past with a lot of their early looney tunes a lot of their looney tunes from like the first 20 years have a lot of and i hate using the term badly aged because it's not badly aged it's just we've learned and gone oh shit that's horrible yeah like it's not that time has changed and left these things behind it's that people have become more aware and gone oh that's bad um, and put those things behind. Yeah, the Looney Tune stuff. Um, there, there are there are insensitive portrayals of people with of different ethnicities and within different cultures in the earlier cartoons. There was debate when they were putting the DVD box sets together in the two thousands whether or not to even include any of those episodes. But in the end, they chose to do that, and they consulted uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Now, Whoopi Goldberg, aside from being an actor and host of The View and, you know, like, Broadway star, etc., etc., and being, you know, pretty much fucking fabulous. And being fucking Whoopi Goldberg. Goldberg. Yeah, come on. She's fucking Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, she is a, a historian and collector of material to do with black representation um, yeah. in early media. Because she finds it fascinating to, like, chart the progression of how ignorant certain things were, um, how certain black artists allowed or encouraged certain things to get through you know she she thinks it's important to look at it and examine it and be like this is wrong this is why this is wrong mm. um and i sort of paraphrased her in my little britain tweets the other day which was she she says you can't pretend that you were always better no you have no, to no. you have to get better so when the warner brothers released the dvd collection certain episodes came with a preface they would open up with like a 30 second bit from Whoopi goldberg piece to camera they filmed a bunch of them mm -hmm. where she would talk about the uh the you know the ethnic representation in the episode the racial significance um the, the stuff that is just offensive as fuck yeah she'd discuss it and then she'd be like so presented here now you know untampered is that piece immediately is, is that cartoon and it, it's important because you you know you if imagine like our kids or our kids kids looking at at stuff and if they saw nothing but you know completely correctly but like completely filtered material from the past they would always assume that was the way it was yeah and i don't think you can learn and get better if you pretend everything's always been fine. As, as long as you present it in context. If you as long it with as it, context. Yeah, because exactly. if you present it without yeah. context, I think it can come across as an endorsement. It, it, it will always, yeah, it will always deliver that yeah. original um, um, sort of, of uh, it'll always be on that original level mm. if you don't at least dress it with context. So 
in the case of Little Britain, because someone challenged me on Twitter, they said, like, all right, like, what would you, what would you, because they said, like, uh, you may as well get rid of all of it, because, because uh, I think I, in my tweet, I said, uh, just remove, remove the problematic elements from it, but from the widely available stream versions. Yeah. Just do that. Just remove them and leave the rest up as is. And then, you know, people who really want to see the whole thing and understand the context can can buy it digitally or buy it physically like there it is it exists any new additions if they ever would do that preface it give context and then put it out there and he said well everyone will be offended at everything now and i said i'm sure and again my opinion is not correct for everyone uh, well no let me start that again my point of view is not the correct one in addressing some of this stuff yeah because yeah. i don't have that that point of view for certain things. But I said, I'm, there are absolutely things in there that I know weren't made and don't come across as being hateful or marginalising. And they were like, right, what stuff would you keep in? And I went, right, okay. So, uh, and yeah, I'm going to watch your face now to see if you recognise any of these from Little Britain. Um, but I was like, De Den Dennis Waterman. Like, David Williams plays a tiny version of the actor Dennis Waterman who's trying to get a job and he keeps losing jobs because he's sort of takes creative control writes the theme tune sings the theme tune oh that's, that is not... that's actually not a terrible sketch exactly um there's a pitch guy who's in the first series called matthew waterhouse <laughs> um funnily enough um yes named after him yeah uh played by david williams who just shows up in pitch meetings and pitches fucking awful product products it's just a series of prop gags um there's a Sc scottish hotelier who's just a weird oh, hotelier the guy yeah, if you'd ask me on a Monday, I'd say yes. Like, you know, yeah, whatever yeah. that is, as is. Um, uh, there's a couple of others. Uh, Kenny Craig, the hypnotist. Like, the joke is he's a sleazy individual. Like, it's not saying, this is funny, you should harass people. Like, yeah. it's, no, he's he's a bad person. Like, that's the joke. Um, and I said, controversially, I said, I wouldn't take out Andy and Lou. Andy and Lou is the uh, man in the wheelchair and his carer. I said, I wouldn't take that out because the joke is about benefit cheats. It's not about disabled people. The joke is there is a man pretending to be disabled to take advantage of the system. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily think that's a, uh insensitive joke as much as it's just a bad joke. Right? Well, here's, the, well, here's the thing. <laughs> it, it's, it, it, on the surface, it seems ableist. You watch a couple of the sketches and you go, no, it's about it's about benefit fraud. It's, it's an easy, boring, stupid joke. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, that's what it's about. Conversely, there's another sketch in Little Britain about an individual called Anne, played by David Walliams, who's in like oh, a care facility. Yeah, yeah. That's the exact same joke because she does inappropriate stuff. She rubs a hand on people's faces and makes a stupid noise and, you know, messes things up. And it's it's painful to watch. And then the joke is like a phone rings or whatever. And she answers it. She's like, yep, yep, no, I'll be around later. Okay, bye. And then puts the phone down. And the only person who kind of sees it is this character... Um, Played by oh god I've forgotten his surname at the moment and I bloody love him Steve thingy it'll come to me Steve first um, he's the one who kind of seems to see it and then they move on and it's like right so it's the Andy and Lou joke but is actually taking the Mickey out of um, mentally handicapped individuals who might not mm. have communication skills okay that, and she doesn't seem to be getting a benefit from it she just does it and it's like that's just weird that's odd. I would absolutely take out Emily Coward, who is the uh, "but I'm a lady" character, because yeah, it's just yeah. it's just shit transphobic humor. Uh, Marjorie Dawes, I don't hate the idea of because the hypocrisy of it. She's the fat fighters yeah, character. Yeah. The hypocrisy of it is the joke, but the over mocking of the one Asian member of the group is 
horrible. Like, it's just flat out. The recurring element of, like, she doesn't understand what she's saying, and it's yeah. like, oh, for God's sake. No, again, the, jo- the joke is Marjorie's ignorance, but it's still, like, you know, it's the only character, I've... the only Asian character with that thick an accent in your show, and that's the joke. You're I've doing. seen like... ignorant old cunts have that interaction with mm. Asian uh, retail staff, and it's yeah. fucking awful when you see it, so... Also, the Fat Fighter sketches are shit versions of the Job Seeker sketches from League of Gentlemen. We'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so, so there's that. Uh, Daffid, the only gay in the village, the whole Clan Dewey, Breffy mm-hmm. thing, the stuff of Ruth Jones. I I was not a gay man in my 20s or 30s on the in the gay scene in 2003. I don't know how accurate or affectionate or, or nasty that parody is. Yeah. I'm also not Matt Lucas, who is a very out gay man who wrote those sketches. Yeah. So I can't judge that. You know, sure, whatever. Leave that as is. Similarly, Sebastian, the Prime Minister's aide, played by David Williams, opposite Anthony Head. Like, the joke is that his aide fancies him and he doesn't seem... The Prime Minister hasn't noticed. But it's also David Williams doing his faux homosexual act, which in itself has always been kind of like... Is that all you do? You sort of do the play up camp slash seventies version of a homosexual person. That's your whole do you think thing, is it? David Williams wanted to be in Are You Being Served. I think that's all Probably. they wanted from. from he life. just wanted to be Mister Humphreys. He wanted he wanted yeah. to live in that that bubble of camp where people could be overtly camp and very openly homosexual in media, but everybody laughed because they pretended that oh he's acting like one of those gays, and yeah. it's like. Oh, for God's sake. Like, Williams wanted to exi- wants to exist in that bubble. And now COVID is cured. He can pick that as his bubble if he chooses. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> Jesus. So what, what I'm saying is there's, there's material in Little Britain, and I, I doubt any of it was made to cause offence. It was just made to ruffle feathers. But there is material that could easily be left if, if they wanted to do that in mainstream streaming services. And there is material that should be taken out. Overall... Not my place to decide. But also, if you cut out all the shit material, that means the streamable versions would be about five minutes long. And if anything, that's a bonus. Oh, yeah. And you could just As cut for all of season two. Yeah, and three. and Because that's the heinous one. Season three is the one where David Williams plays a, a large black woman yeah. in several sketches. And you're like... Yeah, it's not just blackface. It's, what it's an the entire fuck? black, black uh, fat suit. Yeah. It's and it, just... It's, and people have been responding like, to his like, Black Lives Matter support posts and stuff. And he's yeah, with a photo of that with, character. With that picture, and also the picture yeah. of the two, uh, the schoolgirls from Come Fly With Me. Well, that's the other one. So Come Fly With Me, uh, from the service as well. Come Fly, Come Fly With Me was like the spiritual follow-up to Little Britain. I it will, had one I will series in 2010. Hang my head in shame and say that, oh. I, that, I, that when Come Fly With Me went out, I was in the same position as you were with Little Britain. Whereas mm. I didn't see the problem with it. And I actually thought some of it was pretty funny. But looking back yeah. on it, I just feel like a big fucking doofus forever laughing at any of that shit. Because when you see it, you're like, oh, yeah, whoa, it's... whoa, Again, what the fuck is going on here? A lot of the comedy around the characters, like one, for example, there's there's a whole thing where it's, it is mocking racial ignorance, uh, racist ignorance is some of the material. Yeah, there's there's the border, but there's the border security guy who basically keeps interviewing non-white people and, and interrogating them pre-flight. And that is mocking the the knee-jerk racist reactions within airport security that we've seen over the years. Yeah. Like, friends of mine 
um, have been, you know, some of my friends, no, seriously, like friends of mine who are not white have been detained and questioned for sometimes hours on end and have their time wasted for no reason that they can discern other than the fact they're not white. Like, it has happened. So to take the piss out of that is, you know, fine. But those are the only sketches where they actually hire performers of the character's ethnicity. Yeah, and the rest are... of the time they're played by Williams and Lucas, and and some real rough stuff. Like there's two Japanese oh. schoolgirls. There's there's two that Matt Lucas does. One where mm-hmm. he's a uh, uh, old one black face and one brown face. Yeah, yeah. one where he's yeah. an older um, lady of uh, presumably Caribbean descent who runs the coffee shop there. And the other yeah. one where he's uh, um, a British Asian. Uh, I think he's a luggage uh, handler. Yeah, like, yeah, baggage handler. Uh, yeah, um, to, yeah. And it's just. Yeah, you look at it and you go, how the. F- who thought this was okay? And it's also the tacit. <laughs> I, I, the tacit endorsement of that by Lucas and Williams, and I thought that I haven't seen them apologize or address apologize for it or address it the way they've both referred to it over the years is oh we wouldn't we wouldn't do that now or you wouldn't be able to do that now neither said with a reluctant air of like oh god yeah they've ruined it for like neither none of it said like that but never an never an out apology no and again just a simple short video like lee francis did of shit we did was wrong no one told us it was wrong at the time. That doesn't mean it wasn't wrong. We're so sorry if it upset anybody. And I think it's it's. Um... And you know, you know, we're 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 learning. We are all still learning, and we hope you'll permit us to like permit us that 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 leeway so that we can learn from from all of this and and move on. But it's like I think it's also part of their um, ongoing sort of public personas on social media and such in that. Matt Lucas seems to refuse to re- engage with anything with any level of seriousness, and he's mm. just a—he's just playing his buffoon character, his silly man mm. character, constantly. And David Williams refuses to do anything but promote his uh, budget roll dial bullshit. Like, well, like Lucas, Lucas uses his platform for good. His he social media platforms for, for good, goods but nowadays, does, but he does engage with things in a very light. Mm sort of fun which I yeah. get I get why he does that because he doesn't want to yeah. he wants to inject positivity into it and that's you know it's a good thing but he doesn't seem to really he's in engage. a bubble yeah he doesn't seem to engage with things with any level of gravity or gravity. He's, he's, he's very he's very block happy um it, it, like people can engage him in conversation where they're not they're not having a go at him they're just a critiquing or inquiring yeah and he's been known to just block them and it's like oh okay that's a little worrying. But if you, you want to, you know, you know you're sing. doing it at the slightest thing. But yeah, if you want to, if you want to sing I, "Thank I think... You, Baked Potato" for the seven millionth time, then mm. it's got all the time. But and like, but that's kind of all he does. He's just like, this is the funny yeah. thing I'm doing now that's spreading positivity. Which you know, it's not bad, but just all it know. takes is five minutes to acknowledge yeah. the 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 big bloody elephant the in big the room shit, yeah. and then move on. Because the reason it sticks so much for these two is that they built their careers. Yeah. off of that show yeah, yeah. they both had done stuff prior to that but that was the show that made them so yeah. the fact that 
the fact that they've not acknowledged it in a meaningful way is really upsetting. And also the fact that David Williams, as recently as two years ago, went as a Korean dictator, complete with prosthetic facial makeup to a Halloween do. Yeah. It's like, it's just, there's a, there's a tonal dissonance that is just so uncomfortable. Um, I have a sneaking suspicion that David Williams is a real piece of shit. Mm, mm. This is all, this is all just... Um, just the vibes you're getting off. None of this is yeah. based off things we've heard. Yeah, no, no, I've only no, ever, I've, I've only ever, but... I've only ever worked with one person who's worked with him. So I know someone who interviewed him, and apparently in the interview, perfectly lovely, really amicable, la la la. But it was one of those like they had five minutes, and he came, they set up the shot, they shot their piece, did you know they had a bit of small talk, they did the shoot, he said goodbye, la la la. Um, but I know what you mean. There are vibes given off. I just get the feeling, yeah, that he's a. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, um, other shows, other films that. Other have... things. So, Gone with the Wind's been taken off HBO Max. Yes. Because it's all um, about rich white slave owners. Yeah. Um, uh, well, HBO Max have, have released a statement saying that they don't intend to keep it off of there for good. They feel that now is the right time to not give stories like that a platform. Yeah. Um, and they plan to return it with amended content. So either certain edits made, but either way, a a like we said, a contextual yeah. addition at the beginning. I think. I think. I think to it's... kind of like say, this is what this is. This is when it's from. Viewer discretion is advised. You know. Yeah, like, I think it's important it that it not be edited; it be contextualized. Because I think if you're editing it, you get into that thing that we were talking about earlier, where you're curating your own history. And be like, no, no, we didn't do that. We didn't do that. Yeah, but then you, you, know, you have go to back and see. Oh, they made this in this time, and people were portrayed like this. And fuck, that sucks. That fucking sucks. Let's not do that again. Um, yeah, like you can't, you can't pretend everything was always yeah. better. And and you know that's. It's, so like, it's that. like what Disney do with Song of the South. Like they just pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah, they and shouldn't never do that, t- and never talk about it. Um, and yet their most popular ride at all of their parks is a ride based on that film. And I find that so bizarre, know, which right? was, which was, yeah, Splash Mountain commissioned in the late eighties. So like, years after they'd already gone and buried Song of the South. It's like, um, own your mistakes, apologize hmm. for them and do better. Don't just, don't put, hide don't them. put Song of the South on Disney plus, but make it digitally available if someone wants to purchase it and present it with context. I think you could put Song of the South on Disney Plus, but again, you have to have that preface to it. Mm, and yeah. be like, we don't. It has to be unskippable as well. Yeah. It has to be unskippable. Make it has to be a thing that is there. Yeah. Put it. No, don't um, just put a thing at the beginning of the thing, but also put it at the top of the like synopsis yeah. on the content browser into the caption. Yeah. And that's that's where our next one comes in. That that stru- struck. This one struck me as a bit like. This one's more easily navigatable, but sure. Uh, as of today, recording this, uh, League of Gentlemen has been pulled from Netflix. Yeah. BBC series The League of Gentlemen. Uh, no official reasoning has been given, but a source close to Netflix says it is due to the portrayal of a character in blackface. The League of Gentlemen's a sketch show with sitcom elements. It's a dark comedy. It's a massive proponent of what shaped my taste uh, as I grew up in terms of comedy. Um, it's grotesque, it's terrifying, it's a little bit weird, it's very silly in places, and in some places there's a lot of pathos. It's great. It's like the polar opposite of Little Britain. 
in every way. Yeah. Right to the point where Little Britain's one of Little Britain's recurring characters is essentially a rip off of one of League of Gentlemen's recurring characters. And if you watch a yep. single Job Seekers sketch with Pauline, and then watch a Marjorie Dawes Fat Fighter sketch, you'll be like, "The fuck is this Marjorie Dawes shit?" Yep. Give me that Pauline shit. Give um, me that good Pauline shit. Lee Gentleman has got a couple of odd instances in there of, and this is the one that I'm surprised because they said that it's to do with the character in blackface. There is a character in there called Pop, who yeah. is uh, per- Persian, I think. Yeah, and the and his sons, and his sons, which involves, um, yeah, uh, there's 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 face makeup to portray yeah. all three of the characters. Whereas he's an Asian immigrant, and his sons are British born Asian. Now, none um, of them, bar Steve, who's playing this caricature of, of the scary foreign mob-like businessman. Yeah. Neither Mark or Reese's characters are portrayed in an ethnic mimicry, but still face paint. Yeah. yeah. There is a Chinese character played by Steve in one episode of Series 3, <coughs> which is... Yeah, that has not done well. No. Um, and I think Steve. I think Steve Pemberton has spoken of that in an interview before and said like, "Yeah," he says that was fucking that was blind. He says like, "I wouldn't dare do anything like that today because it's just not on, is it?" Like, and it's like, "Good, thank you, Steve. Well done. Thank you for acknowledging that." I don't think Babs has aged well. Babs hasn't aged. I well. I don't think it's um, done mean spiritedly. But that's the thing. Babs. But Babs has it's... never done from a mean spirited POV. But also, we aren't uh, transgender individuals yeah. who've gone through any form of of operation. Like in that way, we can't say whether or not but but you can't it doesn't taste of mean spiritedness no neither it does just, it just neither feels, does it feels misjudged yeah, yeah. neither I does pop pop doesn't taste of mean spiritedness like it, it's it's a character and it was that it was the sketch show tradition of they're going to play everybody in it yeah but it's still like okay that one yeah the main reason it's apparently been taken out is the character papa lazaru now papa lazaru is a breakout character for the show um <clears throat> because it was one everyone quoted. He's he's the the travelling circus owner who's also uh, a kidnapper, a murderer, a serial wife stealer, uh an, a necromancer, a master of disguise, and Father Christmas impersonator. Like he's his brief he's this otherworldly in the, being uh, in the recent revival was one of the funniest th- moments the show mm. has ever done. Yeah, it was like, holy shit, you've this entire subplot exists for that punchline. Yeah. Oh my god, it works. Yeah. Um but Papa Lazaru is is uh he's portrayed with a really vague, gravelly part Romanian accent. But it's non specific. Yeah, it's sort of a play on Romany gypsies, uh, but Yeah, this the, the, then the, again the, it's the... it's also implied to be someone playing at doing that yes like, because we universe. see yeah um well and then they expunge on that weird that because the main reason he's the reason they've taken it down for now is because he sports minstrel face paint yeah so a yeah, a, yeah. Bla- a form of blackface makeup um not a type of makeup to make him look like a different ethnicity but a you know black face white eyes white mouth the minstrel, yeah. the, the 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 clown look that came about in in mimicry of black individuals in the vaudeville days, in the days of, of you know uh, minstrel comedy. So stuff that like again 
Diesel's a favourite, guys. Look up Al Jolson. Phenomenal mm. performer, and by all accounts, apparently a wonderful person. A lot of his career was performed in that minstrel makeup, which is why you probably went, who? When I said Al Jolson. Because <laughs> no one is showing that shit ever again. It's the origins of a lot of like wholesome comedy, but it just happens to be done through that face. And it's like, oh, that is wrong. That is absolutely wrong. Again, presented with context, go back and watch that sort of stuff as is. But Papa Lazarus got that face makeup because he seems to think that's what the entertainer looks like. It seems to be part of his look to lure people in. Yeah. And it's it's trying to tell you there that he's outdated. You can see his skin. His skin around the, the minstrel uh, face paint is clearly white. His complexion is white. It's Caucasian. So it's like, that's horribly insensitive. And it's like, yeah, that's the idea is that he doesn't realise this is wrong. You shouldn't be rocking up like this. Like, this is bizarre. Now, no one comments on it in show because Vasey is also a town of exaggerated grotesques. Yeah. Like, it, it's the whole show, bar about four characters, is full of, like, Toby Jugs brought to life. Like, they're all grotesque individuals of cartoonish proportion. So no one bats an eyelid. Um, I think maybe the reason they've gone ahead with this for sure and not in a knee-jerk kind of, he has a minstrel face, we're taking this away kind of way, is because it's solidified in series three. Spoiler alert for a 18-year-old season of comedy. Uh, and seriously, if you ever want to watch The League of Gentlemen Unspoiled, skip the next two minutes because series three is something you should watch as is. Yeah. Um, don't let me ruin it for you. Uh, you don't mind spoilers <laughs> for series three? You've seen, you've, you've seen series I don't three, think I saw you? all of series three. Okay, so series series three is uh, the first one where it isn't a sketch show. It's each episode focuses on one character, and then there's a B plot as well. So you get a bit of sketch element because you cut to another thing every now and again. But series three focuses on one character each episode, and then this event happens at the end. All of them happening at the same time. So each episode, you see the net. You see how that character ties into the event. And the next like 20 seconds of that event. Mm. So it's this unfolding kind of reveal. Uh, like the first, the very first episode is about Pauline. And at the end of it, uh, she um, is about to get hit by this van that's careening out of control. In the second episode, it's about Lance, the joke shop owner, who gets an arm transplant for his missing arm. And toward the end of the story, he's nearby and the arm, which has had a mind of its own throughout the story, and you learn the reasons why, and it's full-on hammer horror, it's great, um, sees that Pauline about to get hit by the van, and Lance, the most selfish man in Vasey, like his, him and his arm make the decision, and they reach out, and they push her out of the way, and he gets hit by the van. The camera pans back to reveal the van, and you see the Legs Akimbo Theatre Company logo on it, and you're like, what? The next episode is about Jeff Tips going to London and trying to become a stand-up, it's the only episode set outside of AZ for the, the entirety of it. Yeah. Um, and the B-plot is Legs Akimbo doing um, site-specific theatre stuff in London. And Jeff, when he runs back to Vasey, steals their van. After the crash, you see where he's crashed, and you see that somebody's... Da- so, like, each episode reveals, like, another thing as they all converge on the same point. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers for Series 3, Episode 6. So, 
in seriously episode six there's an individual called keith drop who I won't, I won't explain the entirety of the plot, but he's this theatrical gentleman, Caucasian guy played by Rishi Smith. He basically looks like Elton John, like he's wearing lipstick as well, and he's you know big wide brimmed hat with a feather in it, and he's you know this that and the other, and he's working in the charity shop because he's flogging old theatrical costumes. And he talks like this, very softly spoken, and all this. And uh, Brian, one of the characters played by Mark Gatiss from the Jeff sketches of the first two series, yeah, yeah, has been lo- has been looking for his wife Katie since series two. And when he goes into the charity shop earlier in this episode, he notices something, and he comes back in, and he's talking about how she went missing, and and he said, and he's like, she went missing around the same time a bunch of other women went missing. And he's like, but that brooch that you showed me the other day. It looks exactly like her. And then Keith starts to throttle Brian from behind with, like, his tie. And they're fighting and they're tussling and they're tussling. And Brian reaches up and scratches Keith's face. And underneath Keith's skin is the black and white face of Papa Lazarou. And then Uh. what happens after that is you find out that Lazarou has been around for a while and has been doing the wife-stealing thing that he does. Oh, okay. And there's there's this there's this wonderful scene where like Brian and and uh, uh, Reenie Steve Pemberton's charity shop uh, uh, old woman character then tied up in this suburban house this bedroom Keith, Keith's house you see pictures of the real Keith on the walls and he's like a a Biggins esque like old school lovey and this that the other and it's like this this guy is clearly not Keith like it's a disguise and he's living in his house. And Papa Lazarus is like giving this discussion to him. It's a really eerie scene. It's great. It's one that I've quoted so many bleeding times. But he's while he's talking to them, he's applying skin-coloured makeup over his minstrel face. The implication being, the minstrel pattern is his face. So that's where the swing and roundabout comes in. Yeah. Because one, that is a very old school demonic deity kind of thing the idea of the face of the demon of the creature just like it is unshakable that's what it is yeah and his chosen face is something that is offensive and horrible but it's also the thing of oh so you're saying this character looks like that so he's permanently got a minstrel face that's oh okay and it, it's it's i can see p i can see why people might be upset with that again it's not done clearly when you watch it from a place of of malice at all but you can see why people would be uncomfortable with that going forward absolutely and again i'm a white guy there'll be things i will definitely not have seen and there'll be things i'm probably i'm probably assuming and i'm wrong and if that's the case please do let me know wherever you're listening to this let me know in the comments like you know i want to learn if i'm going if i'm wrong about this let me know tell me let's talk um so i kind of I kind of think maybe that's the moment. But similarly, he's also, though the breakout character of that original run, he's only in three of the 19 episodes. Mm. So you could just take those three episodes off of streaming. The fact no one's mentioned, you know, Pop and his sons uh, or the Chinese character in the series three episode, like that's odd to me. Like you know, they're clearly the ones where it's like, well, that's aged. But also, it's being it's been enforced by people who don't haven't actually watched it. Yeah, yeah. But it's 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 an odd one, and it it it, it's the thing is, it's going. We're going to see now. Uh, 
a temporary reaction to all of these things. We'll have to wait and see what the 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 proper considered reaction is going forward. So, like I said, if you're going to put them on a mainstream, um, mainstream streaming service, offer context, like you know, make it so that they are behind that wall of you have to read this thing. Do you get it? Do you understand? Okay, here we go. Or maybe do take them off of the the big streaming platforms but make sure that they're still digitally available for purchase and provide context. It's it's going to be interesting going forward to see. And I think the reason why it has kind of got everyone overthinking it or defending things, knee-jerk reaction, defending shows, and this, that, and the other, is because it feels like the actual horrible, done-with-intentional-malice shit mm. is being left... And that stuff's obviously not like on these platforms, but you know, like word is that they're about to take um, Jackie Brown and Django Unchained off of Netflix, which I don't quite understand. Both are historical cultural context. They both have a historical and cultural context within the film itself. Uh, I've already seen someone saying that they're being removed because of their liber- uh, 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 elaborate use of the N word. But again, context, like yeah. It it this isn't these aren't racist films. They're films about, in one case, systemic racism, in another, mm. a ra- a massively racist part of America's history. And that one's also a revenge fantasy. So the racists get brutally hurt. <laughs> like you know, just, it's very very cathartic. It's, it's cathartic. Yeah, it's you know, and, and again, someone else tried to argue to me, and they said, "What? So what do you think about the producers and Blazing Saddles? Do you think they should be taken away?" To which I said, well, no, because Blazing Saddles is a movie about how racists are ignorant pieces of shit. Yeah. Like... That's what it's about. It was controversial at the time because it was like, oh my God, this is really on the nose and uses the N-word for comedic effect. But it's a film about how racists are ignorant pieces of shit. And as for the producers, I was I was like, why are they suggesting that? Are they just listing Mel Brooks films? And then I realized it's because you've got the whole springtime for Hitler musical thing. Context of the movie, guys. The musical yep. is meant to be the worst musical they can greenlight, and the one actual Nazi character in the film is depicted as a psychotic moron. <laughs> like, yeah. these films are not holding racists up on a pedestal. That's not what they're doing. Yeah, it's uh... it, it's so it's bizarre. I like I said, I think what we're seeing now is an immediate reaction, and it's going to take a few weeks before we see what actual steps will be taken going forward in regards to access to material that could be harmful um but i would I, I again as a white person i don't know what's best exactly i honestly don't i just hope that they are actually consulting a wide breadth of people from different backgrounds and lives when yeah. they make these decisions and also um you know it would be nice to see some of the actual horrible racist individuals get their platforms removed if we are going to go down this route yeah. Like, you remove Little Britain from Netflix, but Trump still has a Twitter account. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, inciting raceful hatred. Like, so... You, mm, come on. Like, context is key, but it can't be one rule for all, guys. It can't, it can't be a different rule for everyone. It's got to be one rule for all if you're going to do it that way. The whole thing's uh, just a fucking mess, isn't it? Uh, um, uh, we've done some bad yeah. shit as a people. Mm. Let's just yeah. burn it all down and start again. 
Um, yes. Starting with Facebook. <laughs> oh, man. I, yeah. We talked about that a lot longer than I intended to. Sorry. Um, I'm passionate. I can't help it. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know I what the, I was talking about. I want, the, I want the world to be a better place. I want the world to be a better place. Uh, hey, do you, know, do you know what? Um, do you know what came out? Do you know what came out tonight slash last night based on the early birds listening to this? What? The PlayStation Five announcement. Yeah, we can't talk about it though because it's not. We happened. can't, but but let's predict. I can't believe it's got seven USB ports. <laughs> uh, I can't believe it's not butter. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe one of the launch titles is Bubsy Four. <laughs> uh, I can't believe it's backward compatible with GameCube games. Um, I can't believe that they all come pre-installed with the complete season of Come Fly With Me. Didn't <laughs> <laughs> uh, have to walk that one back. Fuck me. Um, a, there was a small drop of joy this week. A small, Where? A small drop of happiness and joy. Uh, the trailer dropped for Bill and Ted Face the Music. <gasps> On on, did you notice the date as well? No, I, I didn't. I didn't notice the date because I watched it today. It dropped yesterday, as of this recording, on the 9th of June, which to us is the ninth of the sixth. But in America, it's um, uh, what's it? Uh, June the sixth, six. Uh, June the ninth, six nine, sixty nine, dudes. Nice. Um, which was a nice little nod. Um, this looks really fun. It does. It looks. Re- it looks really it stupid. Just... And I'm all here for it. It's just look, yeah. It just looks silly, and like a bunch of people got together and had fun and made a good thing. Uh, actually, I don't know if it's going to be good, but I think it's going to be fun. So I don't. I really hope care. it's going to be fun. I mean, they're definitely going for the nostalgia. Um, the nostalgia. Oh well, yeah, because death's back. Death is back, uh, and it's about time. But also, uh, the the Orion Pictures logo at the top. Yeah, end and everything, I saw that. Right? I was like, hang on, is this an ad? No, this is the trailer. No. It's real. I mean, um, it's got Samara weaving in it, so I'm there. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hilarious. Lucy watched it before me. She, she's, she's the Bill and Ted fan in the house. Like I, I grew up going like, oh, it's just like shit. Wayne's World. And I got older and went. There are a lot of comedies that were based on that era and those yeah. kinds of people. Shut up, Johnson. And I reassessed it. Um, and you know they, they're, they're fun. They're really fun, dumb films. They're my other favorite time traveling idiots who use a phone box to get around. Um, but they. Lucy said, "Have you seen it yet?" And I went, "No, I'm just about to watch it." And she went, "Yeah." She says, "Keanu doesn't look real." Keanu it looks like look real. And Keanu looks like someone's tried to digitally recreate him. And I said, "Why?" And she went, "It's just without a beard. It's just really. Yeah. It's like yeah, we've we've gotten so used to him with like that length of hair and a beard now. Yeah, I don't like, think it's I've seen odd him, to see him. I don't think I've seen him without a beard since the Matrix Revolution." That picture of him on the subway uh, <laughs> from maybe. the mid 2000s? I don't know. But it, it's we're used to him with that leather hair in a bit, but I kind of like that. I like the fact that he looks uncomfortable in it. Because the implication being from what we know, like the basic plot, I think is great. Like in the original oh, two yeah. movies, they learn that they're going to write the song to save the, to save the universe. And now here we are, like 20 years later, and it's not happened. They've still not done it. Like that, yeah. They've not written the song, and like the occasion is getting way nearer now. That they're like because they were never told when it's yeah. going to be, and they've been trying to figure it out, and it's not worked. And 
you know um and wild stallions <laughs> is not a, really a big band anymore no <laughs> it's a tiny alex little Win- band alex winters and his t-shirt and his flannel shirt and everything like clearly holding on to his he's youth. not changed at all yeah and, and, and whereas keanu's kind of like looking like he's dressing a little more sensibly like shirts and neat jeans and clean shoes and all this yeah. you're like this is like i wonder how this is gonna go but i'm i'm all for it i'm so curious um, but I'm, i've got a big smile on my face thinking about it and also the reveal shot at the end of the trailer of of, of, the, of, them, super, in, of them in the future <laughs> super buff future prison which yeah. <laughs> is fucking great but again, just, just, just the idea, idea why they're meeting their future selves like we've not read it yet so let's go steal it from us in the future it's like is it stealing but isn't that just stealing it's like not if it's if we wrote the song to begin no, with not... like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not stealing if it's from ourselves yeah it's not stealing if we're stealing from ourselves yeah it's just <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fabulous. It's fabulous. Um, Makes me happy. Makes me damn happy. I'm looking forward to, to it. <laughs> it's going to make me happy. Um, what else Hey, do you know what else came out on the 11th? I.e. the night this first goes out or the day after on YouTube. What? What we, what knew what we do in the shadows starts? Oh fuck yeah! Let's, let's pretend we've let's pretend we've watched it. Uh, my favorite bit was the reveal of the seven USB ports. <laughs> I can't believe it's not Bloodter. Um, I I can't believe that there was an issue with the recording, so they just cancelled it and rescreened "Come Fly with Me." <laughs> I think the timing was very poor. I can't believe they defunded the police. I can. Oh God, I wish. I bloody well wish. They cancelled cops though, so they that's did. A plus. They did cancel cops. Ugh. Um, but on the plus side. Um, sorry, I just kissed my wife. Does that offend you? Yes, offend it offends you? me. Don't kill, don't, don't tell J.K. Rowling. She'll say it's misogynistic. Well, should we touch on that? No, <laughs> no. We talked for too long about the. Suffice to you say, let's 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 round it up quite simply. Fuck, J- Fuck J.K. Rowling. Yeah, there we she go. published a massive fucking open letter as a response to the response to her. Um criticizing uh, being criticized for seeing only women menstruate and 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 shit like that and just been generally being a trans exclusion radical feminist or turf and mm. just did this massive open letter which basically boils down to um oh but if anyone can say they're a woman then men will in bathrooms will assault girls which is bullshit and hiding behind her experiences and as an abuse survivor Mm. that basically she by holding trans exclusionary views she is defending women who are biologically female from predators who are biologically male but pretending to be female and i have a news alert for you people (sighs) who fear trans individuals in public bathrooms a they're in a different cubicle doesn't matter if they're shitting. You're also shitting. Leave them the fuck alone. B, if anyone was going to sneak into a bathroom to do something horrible to a human being, they just do it. Yeah, you are so- in danger every time you use a public restroom because that's what being a human being is on this planet. 
doesn't make it fun, but it also doesn't mean that if you make it uncomfortable for trans people to need to find somewhere when they need to take a shit, that your little world yeah. is going to be safe. And she's going on about things like... Um, make it illegal for trans women to go into public female bathrooms. All right. You're going to get rid of guns, America? <laughs> no? Because someone could come into the bathroom with a gun and you're fine with that for some reason. Jog on. It's trans like, men are men. Trans it, women are women. Fuck it, J.K. Rowling. It's a lot about... It's a lot of stuff about people like... Oh, she doesn't want lesbians to be shamed because they're not willing to have sex with trans women who still have penises. Um, and she's not... And uh, she's worried about rapid onset gender dysphoria in young children. I'm just like... You're talking shit, JK. You're like mm. you're just making shit up. Oh, no, you're not making shit up, but you 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 are buying into stuff that other transphobes have uh, concocted or misreported or misinterpreted, and yeah. and jumped. And she's just doubling down. And not not once is there an apology in there. Um, and not not once does she um does she address the two major problems people had with their original statements which were one the assertion that only women menstruate and menstruation is what makes women women yeah um because again not all people who are physically capable of menstruating do menstruate so um that's it's using it as a as a signifier of of womanhood is is already a flawed approach and two she didn't address the fact that she decided to drop this nuclear bad hot take in the middle of the black lives matter uh, protests and the first week of pride month yeah and the first week of pride month Um, the month celebrating sexual and gender diversity also randomly drops the uh the insinuation that autistic people can't know whether they're trans or not Oh, she did not. I didn't even catch that. I think I just yeah. zoned out after lying. Yeah, she's, she's a b- like, moment Jesus. in there where she where she sort of casually mentions how rates of gender dysphoria are higher among autistic individuals, and the the implication being that people who are autistic can't um, accurately uh, gauge their own gender identity, which is hoof. So basically, she's transphobic, yeah. ableist, um, and a fake feminist. Yeah. Uh, she, well, she's hiding her transphobia behind the shield of, of feminism, which is what trans-exclusionary radical feminists do. And she, yeah. She, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, she just paints herself as the victim and how she's being bullied by by trans uh by trans activists oh she's being bullied by trans activists she's being bullied by trans activists the incredibly rich very privileged very powerful white woman is being bullied by activists for a movement that is under fire by horribly misinformed powerful white billionaire twitters twitterers like herself who write stuff off the cuff having no yeah. fucking idea how much harm it's going to do. Um, it's nice to know that the Harry Potter legacy isn't completely tarnished, as uh, over on the Trevor Project, which is an organisation that does amazing work for LGBTQ plus uh, organisations and communities around the world, 
Daniel Radcliffe responded to J.K. Rowling's tweets. Yep. Via the Trevor Project. We stand a short king. Um, we do. Because not only, not only has he been a supporter of the Trevor Project for a decade, he very openly says in it that he as an individual is also still learning. Yep. And he knows he's he will have made mistakes and he knows he's going to make mistakes. But it's about open conversation. He doubles down on the idea of this isn't a feud between me and J.K. Rowling, but that's how some news places are going to spin it. Mm-hmm. It's not what this is. I just want to point out that I think what she said is wrong and harmful. Um, and he goes on to say, you guys, you, the fans, you own Harry Potter. It's yours. Like, it's not Joe's. Yeah. Like, she created it. It's your playground. She, she it's can, your world yeah. to live in. Your relationship with that book is sacred, essentially, is yeah. what he says. Um, um, but also the fact that he released that statement through the Trevor Project means, of course, the Trevor Project, the, the Trevor Project's website, has had like a four hundred percent increase in traffic this week, and their ad revenue goes to running the organization's websites and media, but also, mm-hmm. of course, toward paying the people who run the organization, who normally do a lot of this stuff like voluntarily. So it's taking care of the community and the people that run these these safe environments and, and charity drives for the community. He didn't just put the statement out there. He went, I'm going to give it to you guys to publish so they could benefit. What a yeah. good fucking egg. What yeah. a good egg. Okay uh, Eddie, Red- Ed- Eddie Redmayne, as of today, also came out against uh, Joe Rowling's statements. Um, Eddie, Eddie Redmayne. Eddie, Eddie Redmayne, who, of course, is in the interesting position that he's still working with J.K. Rowling. Like yes. he is in, he's in the upcoming at least two more Fantastic Beasts movies. Yeah. Um, and he, of course, courted some controversy within the transgender community a few years ago, not for himself, but for a choice of his uh, in being in the film The Danish Girl. Yes. Where the complaint at the time was, why weren't trans actors, trans actors seen for this role? Yeah. And it was this the age old studio bullshit of like, well, it wouldn't sell unless it was a star. It's like, well, you make a star, oh, you crap, fucking yeah. idiots. You make a star. Um, but he said at the time, like, I'm sorry if I've upset anybody, you know, by being this. He said that like, I I did it because it's a story I thought was important to tell. And it's like, okay, so he went in it genuinely with a good heart, mm. and after the fact has gone, oh shit yeah, maybe I shouldn't have taken the job or I should have helped campaign. And we've seen actors catch themselves before making that choice in recent years since then, like Ed Skeen, most famously for Hellboy 2019, when he found out the character he'd been cast as was a Chinese character in the yeah, comics. Yeah, yeah. He went, oh, right, and then immediately quit the role. He went, I'm not doing it then. He said, I'm not doing it. He also he was dodged like, a fucking bullet there as well. Yeah, it's a terrible fucking movie. But it's like, um, you know... It, it's 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 the whole thing of he caught it he caught himself it was like fuck he listened to people online and went fuck really yeah yeah no i'm out then i'm out and it's like good on you man like and he's not a huge star like he he probably you know could not afford to just chuck away roles like that. i would have thought not like he's he works regularly and he's been in some big projects but yeah he's not he's not He's not the kind of yeah. guy who's walking into a casting room and going like, I want that role and that role and that role. And they go, yes, Mr. Skeenzer. Like he's somebody yeah. who's still working his way up to a consistently high paying career. So it was probably no mean feat to turn around and say, yeah, you can keep your like, you can keep your 50 grand, you can keep your 100 grand, like whatever it was for that, for that role. Because it was quite a small budget film, wasn't it? Hell by 2019. 
Uh, um, relatively speaking, yeah. Yeah, aside from the effects work, it was like... Yeah, because um, David Arbour took, like, half of what Ron Perlman made for the first one, for example. So it's like, shit. Yeah. And he, and he had an even more extensive makeup process. Um, but, yep. you know, it's... it's it, it can be done, and and Eddie Redmayne seems to have acknowledged it after the fact, uh, uh, but but in an honest way of like, yeah, I didn't, it didn't cross my mind at the time that getting the story told was more important to me, and I wanted to do it with as much, you know, care as I could. But you're right, I should have, I should have turned it down, um, and and campaigned for a trans actor to get the role. Mm. So for him to come out and say this shows that he he meant it last time. For him to go against JK, it means he meant it last time. He's like, yeah, no, I need to stand up for trans individuals here. Uh, but also, is going to prove to be a difficult working relationship going forward because she seems yes. to be a very, a very pithy person. Um, so this is going to be interesting. It's yeah. going to be interesting. Uh, it's also had people reevaluating the Harry Potter series too. Yeah, uh, reevaluating certain aspects of it and how it has always kind of been regressive. It, it, it's, in terms it's, of representation, um, like, we all know the stuff of J.K. adding things yeah, in yeah. after the fact. Some kind of interesting, some outright ridiculous, but a lot of it is like, oh, so Dumbledore was gay. Cool. All right. I mean, you didn't mention it in the books, but I suppose it also couldn't. It wouldn't necessarily have to come up around the characters he interacts with in the books. So yeah, yeah. Sure. Oh, you're telling more stuff with him in. Great. Well. Can we see a hint of it so that we know that you know he he's he is genuinely a gay representation in these films? Mm. Sure, yeah. Ian Grindelwald will love us. Fantastic Beast Two comes out. They Don't were closer it. than brothers. Yeah, and they won't harm each other because they've given each other a pendant or whatever that means they can't do it. Instead of you know just they can't hurt each other because they deeply care about each other because they were in love. Like that would have sufficed, but no. Now they have to. They have to remove yeah. the gay for the Chinese markets, and it's just it's. Uh, so it's you know the Dumbledore thing means jack shit ultimately. Like it feels like pandering now. It yeah. feels like she's. It feels like she's pandering and not actually servicing the demographic, um, and adding diversity in. People, of course, now are dissecting the pre-existing work. Uh, Stuff that has been talked about for years, just not highlighted as much as as it could have been. So the the physical description of the goblins, uh, leaning into incredibly anti-Semitic depictions of Jewish Americans in particular. Yeah. Um, and the love of money and that trope. Um, the naming of the only Chinese character in the story as Cho Chang, which yeah. are you know, which are two uh, Korean surnames I found out this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not even Chinese names. Um, but on top of that, like as a kid, I remember reading that she first appears in Goblet of Fire. And I remember I reading she that. First appears in Prisoner of Azkaban in the books. Maybe, yeah, she might have done. I, well, I, I re- think she first, I, but she first appears I, in the films in Goblet. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I, got in, I got into them it's around the years. time. Well, it could be, it could be Azkaban because I got into them around the time of Goblet of Fire coming out, the book coming out. That was when yeah. I was like, "Oh, I better read these," and I picked up one and two, and then I, I, I was bought three, and I ploughed through them, and then like a few months after Goblet came out was when I got it and read it. Um, but like she's, you know, 
there's the trope of the exotic woman who is literally a throwaway object to the white savior character and when you look at Cho Chang's mm. very minimal story arc in the books, that's what she is. Um, yeah. And Harry grows fed up with her because she's still mourning the death of Cedric, who was her boyfriend. And Harry's well, like, I mean, oh, God, she keeps going on. And of course, it's about like teenage selfishness yeah, and, and yeah. oversight. But it is odd that it only that story arc happens around the exotic girl who Harry fancies for a bit until he gets tired of her. Like, it's just a bit upsetting that that's the only sort of girlfriend character he has in the series prior to it close it closing up and everything. Um, and then, you know, just, just things like that. But the worst one for me that I didn't even realise was the house elves. Now... It's chattel slavery. It's, ch- it's chattel slavery, but it, there's also... This is the bit that got me, and it's been, it's been years since I've read the book, so i kind of forgotten about this. But there's a yeah. whole subplot in the fourth book where, and I, I'm sure I'm getting the acronym wrong, but Hermione starts an organisation called SPEW. And, you know, it's, it's obviously all the characters mock it for being called SPEW, but it's yeah. like the Society for the Prevention of the... Uh, for uh, no, The Society for the Preservation of Elfware, Elf Welfare, I, yeah, think, I think is so. what it stands for. It's something like that, yeah. The idea being is, in, in the books, we learn that Dobby, from book two is working in Hogwarts in book four. We yeah. learn that he's working like behind the scenes because all the food in the school that magically appears, that magical buffet that appears out of nowhere and all this, <laughs> is prepared by house elves in kitchens Yep, and then is apparated to the tables. So you're like, all right, so the staff are house elves. But it's already been established that house elves are uh, a very old school tradition in the wizarding world and are slaves. They're slaves. Yeah. I can't remember if the ones working at Hogwarts are enslaved to Hogwarts or not, but they are, they of course, are. being... They are being overworked and in shit conditions. And Dobby chooses to be there of his own accord because he wants to be close to Harry. And he's the only house elf who's wearing clothes, which is the whole like symbol of their freedom. And the more I describe this, the more it becomes weird when you really think about it. And uh, throughout the book, Hermione is mocked by every character yep. for her. Oh, this is so stupid. Like they don't need to be free. They're fine. Even mocked by Harry. And look like, at them. That's They're the... happy. Yeah. yeah. It's so fucked yeah. up. It's so fucked up. Because it because it doesn't end with people realizing, yeah, no, this is wrong and a big liberation in the way that it should do if it was to be teaching us a story, yeah. teaching us a, mor- a moral. It's weird, man. It Harry is Potter so is like textbook centrism. Yeah, like yeah, he's fighting. A, they're fighting a, a fascist regime, but yeah. they're not. They're not looking to reform the bot broken system that allowed no. the fascist regime to come forward. They just want to go back to centrism yeah. and continue with chattel slavery, <laughs> fucking house elves, and and continue to be isolationist and weird and harry ends up being a fucking cop like that is harry's endgame he wants to be an aura he wants to be part of the police he becomes the wizard police this is where it leads come on come on ah so i guess the sort of milk toast centrism that the, the book's dealing it doesn't really surprise me that J.K. Rowling isn't as uh, leftist as you like to uh, think she is. Um, but yeah, so fuck right. that. 
She and Graham Linehan can write a sitcom together. It'd be fine. There you go. Oh, no, God, nobody make true. it, but let them write in a room together. You know. Yeah, they could write it and just take it off and say, "Yeah, we'll have this on TV," and then just burn the scripts. Um, <laughs> put it, put it on the fridge, and then when they leave the room, press a button so that the fridge door turns around to reveal it's a furnace inside <laughs> and just burns it. <laughs> oh, this is beautiful. I'll just put this right here so I can see it every time I go to get a soda. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Get in the. I'm, I'm going seat. to America next year to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. It was meant to be this year, but you know, yeah, plague. And um, and uh, Lucy and I've already talked about it. We're going to ride those rides. We're going to explore Hogsmeade. We're going to ride the Gringotts ride. Do you know what we're not going to do? Buy a fucking thing from the Harry Potter seek What section. you should do is you should take many pictures of yourselves there, both wearing pro-trans trans t-shirts. Rights. Trans rights t-shirts. Trans rights t-shirts or trans women or women, trans men or men t-shirts. I'm going to get a t-shirt that says Harry, Harry Potter says trans rights. Yeah. Because he did. Yep, he did. He fucking did. So. Trans rights. Yeah. There we go. There uh, we go. Uh, uh, what else yeah! have we got? What else have we got on the docket? Um, Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty. Season four of Rick and Morty ended. What do you think of this set of episodes, Christopher? Spoiler alert for Rick and Morty season three and four. Yeah. Um, I like the second half of the season. I thought it was really fun. Um, I do kind of wish we got the whole series in one go. Really. Um. Uh. Yeah. I- I'm I mean, over the over the course of over them, the course yeah. of ten weeks. I mean, but um, just just because it feels one a week felt weird, and the fact that it ended up one a week felt fine, but the fact that it ended after five weeks, it was like, oh. Yeah. I now, think going one forward, a, if one, if they a, go one the, a month, I think is a good plan. Yeah, that's the thing they're talking about, isn't it? Like yeah. just just doing one a month now. That I'm fine with. I think that yeah. could work quite well. But I just need to be I just need to be ready for it. You know what I mean? Like, and in this yeah. instance, it felt. It felt quite short because it was like season four, <laughs> part two. Oh, right, okay. Um, yeah. That being said, I like the fact this series mocked mocked the fans for having expectations of recurring or returning story arcs, and then in the last episode goes, "Oh fuck, it is one of them," but at the same time yeah. doesn't answer the question because nope. the answer to the question wasn't important. It's how it made the characters feel about their choices. Yeah, that was really, what was more important. They're really doubling down on making sure that you know Rick is a piece of shit. And the fact that he now kind of is coming to terms yeah, with, with that. The, yeah, coming to terms and, with the and, idea that and he is, is a piece of shit. And is upset by it yeah. as well. Like he's, and it's, he's, it's he's, something he's very regretful now. Long time. Mm. They've been t- they've been toying with it, but this series in particular, they really yeah. have. I think you know, I think been wh- the they... idea that he he fears death, although he's quiet about it. Um, no, he fears death. He fears death without wrapping up his wrapping up things the way yeah. he wants it to be. That's what he's afraid of. Um, he loves his grandkids, and is starting to admit it to them now. Yeah, probably because he he's like I've missed all the chances to say it. I should maybe start saying something. But also his relationship with Beth is at a point now where you're like, he definitely knows he's been a shit father and he now feels responsible and guilt. Yeah. He feels guilt for it. Yeah, definitely. 
and which is fascinating because this this for those who not following but they don't mind the spoilers start of series three the storyline gets wrapped up x y and z and beth his daughter the mum of morty turns around and goes uh, you know like i don't know if i want to get back with jerry i don't know if i want to do x y z like i i don't you know this life is no no and he's like right well does he offer to clone her yeah he says like go away like go into the stars do yeah, whatever i'll make you a clone and she's like stay I, here. yeah i couldn't do that he's like i'll make you a clone and the clone could stay here and be you and what happens is beth stays at home but they left that but, conversation yeah. there so it's always like is this they do that lovely thing of, is this a clone or did beth make the choice to stay home well now we know a clone was made but we don't know which one stayed but we don't know which one stayed exactly so she agreed to it and at least one of them made the choice to leave they don't know which um, one stayed he doesn't know which one stayed yeah intentionally yeah like which <laughs> as a machine as a machine worse. that specifically just does the like yeah, the, the, the ball under the cup trick yeah and it <laughs> i just think that's such a brilliant kicker mm. to end the series on you're like yeah this guy's a shit and it, i think the show's been doing a really good job of pushing back against the sort of hero worship of rick that's erupted mm. amongst the more toxic parts of the fandom um, yeah. while also still being a fun sci-fi show with a very dark sense of humour and just cool shit all over the it's place. Like Morty's taken a back seat in terms of actual character arcs this year. Yeah. yeah. I feel he's hit, I feel he's hit a point of being a lot more confident. He's not the, oh, jeez, from series one anymore. Yeah. But he's not had the series three thing of getting angry at shit in his life and taking it out during the stories anymore. Yeah, he's getting like, better. Yeah, he, he's the sidekick adventurer. That's who he is now, and he's happy being that. Him and Summer bonding is a lot of fun, and the fact that they are giving themselves story arcs because the show has not given them story yeah, it's, arcs. It's just the whole fucking... The, 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 there's the no natural breaking. arc, so, yeah. so they create their own. Like, this is our story arc, we work together now. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's brilliant. Um, I, do, I don't think I've, I've, I'm ever going to quite get over the emotional gut punch of the, the Vat of Acid episode. Mm. That's, that is mm. honestly I came away from that episode just like empty mm. yeah. it just fucking gutted me I was like this yeah. is so good what this show is doing is so fucking great um, I think this has been a really strong season I think the show goes from strength to strength and I think it goes from strength to strength by not pandering to what the more toxic and vocal parts of its fandom want yeah, um, I, th- I think so. I think it I think it it sort of it, it was God tier Rick and Morty with series two start of series three, and then it looked at it looked at what being a god has done. Yeah, and went we we don't need to be yeah. that we don't need to be a ten out of ten because ten out of ten is resulting in some horrible shit. Yeah, off the back of our show, we just need to be a solid fucking eight out of ten. <laughs> like yeah. that's all we need to be. That's what we need to be like. Come down from come down from that lofty egotistical height. Don't give people an excuse to think that we need to be worshipped. Just be good sci-fi comedy. Yeah, and that can get that can get pretty dark and nihilistic in places, 
but, but also use that the nihilistic character. Characters, yeah, yeah, the nihilistic character is now aware that his life is horrible and he is a bad person and I, he's starting to regret it. I could almost guarantee that, that when when it comes back, they will they will be like, "Ah, oh, Rick's moved on. He's dead. that never even happened." Da, 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 da. And then it'll get into it almost straight away, being like, "Oh, but it's a front." Because that's that's the character. Yeah. That's what the character does. And absolute end game is Rick sacrificing himself to save the family he loves. Like that's absolute end game for the show. Eventually, that's where it will end. It will end on them going. He does the right thing, not necessarily in the most heroic way, and it's acknowledged that he died a hero, but he lived as a piece of shit. Like yeah. th- th- you know what I mean? Like this was a terrible person who made the right call when it mattered. That's that's what they'll do. Like to end it. Yeah. Um, I guarantee, I guarantee that's the direction they'll go. And, uh, uh, I I'm liked the story it, arc. Frankly. I like the story arc stuff. Phoenix person. Yeah. <laughs> like we we find out what was officially we find out what was done to his to bird person's corpse after the end of series two. Yeah. We'd, we'd seen glimpses of it. Um, I think we'd seen episodes. him being named Phoenix person, and everyone saying it was a terrible name. And yeah, that was. Uh, I, think, I think that, I think that was the. F- first story of this season wasn't it no, i think it was last one for oh first one of season three but then we didn't yeah. see them again did, what, what was it what, what's it. her name was it is it tammy tammy yeah yes we never we don't see them again then we saw them briefly in one of the first episodes of this series they were in, like, teased in the train way. episode no 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 uh the first half of the series they appeared uh... in the first half of the series somewhere really briefly because it was like oh is this gonna be the arc and then it wasn't it went away okay and then and then re- and then reappeared in episode 10 of the series and was like oh now here it is uh but yeah they were she she in particular was teased in in the uh in the train one alongside evil Mo- so that, that now what's kind of nice is retroactively that scene where they went oh you care about this shit <laughs> yeah fuck it it's not gonna happen now it actually plays out as okay we, we will get round to each of these things but on our time like yeah. on our terms you know, this is not going to be. Oh, what's the finale? It's, it's the finale is what it is. Yeah, it's whatever we choose it to be. This year, we decided to tie in a story arc, but it was it wasn't about which Beth's the real Beth. Yeah, that was what it was on that, the surface. That question's never answered. Because I love, I love, the, I love the Beth's conundrum as well. The fact that they're like, you had it in you to just like go back to the life you hated. Yeah, but you had it in you to abandon your family. I guess we both have both opportunities in us yeah and we but we both would take either and that's what that's what's wrong with us we can't criticize ourselves because we are both gonna make the choice that either makes us unhappy or makes us a terrible person we're both capable yeah. of it let's just live with that runs in the family i guess um yeah and also J- jerry's invisible puppeteering of, of tammy's guys was fucking was great fucking inspired that was so good. And then Chris Parnell's performance in the after credits. Oh, and the Jerry Jer- spin-off is amazing. Jerry, Jerry in an invisible um, garbage truck. Just fighting evil pimps, so basically. Good. So good. <laughs> well, until he runs out of until he runs out of gas. And can't find the freaking hole, so just gives up <laughs> and leaves it at the gas station. Ah, it was good while I blasted. Um <laughs> I love it. I love it. Roll on season five whenever they want to make it and however they want to distribute it. Speaking of other things that I love, let's do some emails. But you told me that you hate emails. Yeah. Well, you told no, me I... that emails is your least favorite part of the week. I only hate emails that I get from you. 
uh, which is why you, ever need, oh. you never email me anymore. Uh, That's true. We had a couple that came in last week that I, my... I write I write messages to you on my inner thigh in Biro. Oh, don't do that, please, ever. Uh, we had a couple come in uh, tail end of last week uh, that we didn't get to, uh, so we're going to do those now. Um, and the first one comes in from Alistair. Hello, Alistair. Um, Alistair says, hello, is this thing on? <laughs> greetings, greetings. I hope you're all doing well in the crazed world that is 2020. I spent far too much time on Twitter recently, and it's really put a spotlight on both the best and worst of humanity. Ain't that the truth? Um, <laughs> Kate, police officers that have no sense of the value of human life, or a president that has all but declared war upon the citizens that he's supposed to represent. Um, do you two fine gents have any recommendations of films or literature by black creators that should be getting more support than they are? Look forward to hearing from you both. Happy Pride Month. Black Lives Matter. Goodbye, my dears. Raging gay, Alistair. P.S. Can you tell us the tale of the legend that is Tom Monte? Um, <laughs> we'll address the last exp- thing first. Yeah, how to explain um, Tom Monte? Tom Monte is a regular emailer, and we did a silly voice. I did a silly voice for one of his emails, and then it just became a thing, and he hasn't written in for a while, and that's that's the that's the saga of Tom Monte. That's the yeah. saga. Tom, if you're still out there, if you're still out there, send us a cryptic email just to let us know you're still alive. Let us know you're okay. Um, We'll read it out in an even creepier voice. Yeah, we'll do do the... It started off as a really shit Vincent Price. It did, yeah. Yeah. Because I I want to be able to do Vincent Price's voice, but I can't do it. Um, I've (laughs) tried for many years. Can't do it. Um, Maybe maybe Tom Monty can. Who could say... Well, apparently so. We're going off our thing. Um, I like <laughs> more uh, films and literature by people of colour that is a blind spot of mine that I'm working on. So I don't have any overt recommendations. Um, there are a pair of journalists that I uh, that I follow on Twitter that do very good work, uh, particularly in the game sphere, but um, also branching out into other. Uh, areas of uh you know general general culture that's a cute cat um (laughs) and they are uh, they both do work for vice uh first one is austin walker who is at austin underscore walker and the other very good person is um uh Gita Jackson, who is at, mm-hmm. at XOXO Gossip Gita, G I T A. Um, they they will. That's a good gateway to stuff um, that you can get more involved with. Also, I came across a really good Twitter thread. I know it's not literature or um, or or film, but a useful uh, resource. Uh, black fronted bands in the heavy music scene, which was very eye opening to me. Some of them I knew, um, but there are there. If you want to get into some more, if if you're a metalhead like me and you want some more um, black artists in your uh, sphere, then you could definitely do worse than check out Seven Dust from by Lejean Witherspoon, uh, uh, Blood Blood Bather, uh, fronted by Jeffrey Georges. Uh, of course, there's Living Colour. Um, uh, Justin Bonnet's front in Tala. Uh, Stuck Mojo. 
for today, Animals as Leaders, Dance Gavin Dance, who's fronted by Will Swan, who's in a bunch of different bands. Of course, he's not the front man, but Tom Morello of Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who people people have been going on going on at me to being like oh i used to like your music until i found out you were political i'm like this fucking rage against the machine have you ever listened to the lyrics <laughs> have you ever have you ever have you said ever the name of, of the band the back song? to yourself <laughs> um hyrule the hero veil of maya uh what else we got um hr9909 uh butcher babies oceans of slumber phil Lunat of Thin Lizzy, let us not forget. Uh, also, let us not forget the uh, the great Jimi Hendrix. Uh, Melissa Bonney of Ad Infinite, of uh, Ad Infinitum. Uh, Stephen Harrison of Fever Three, Fever Three Two Three. Chris Bedell of the Veer Union. Stephen Burnett of Death Grips. Oh, a couple of them have gone missing. Where are they? Oh. Um, the straight line stitch, but I can't remember the name of the front woman. They're also pretty good. Uh, also, don't forget Modern Sepultura. They're now fronted by Derek Green and have been for a long while since Max Cavalera left. Um, Alison Chains. Uh, uh, William Duval eventually replaced the late Lane Staley. Um, mm. so you know, there are there are people out there there in in the heavy scene who you can. Who you can uh, support? So, more things to consider. Uh, what about you? What about you? Uh, in terms of just educating yourself, um, the films of Spike Lee, absolutely. But in Fuck particular, yeah. right now, in particular, right now, do the right thing. Yeah. Um, watch, do the right thing. It is. Very well made, for starters, but it's also, like, uncomfortable in places when you realise that it was, oh, I don't know, just over 30 years ago, mm-hmm. and just just watch it and you'll see. Uh, um, also watch Black Klansman. Black Klansman, yeah. Black Klansman is brilliant. I need, I've got the, I've got hold of the screenplay for that and I need to read it, because I'm curious as to what Spike, because he co-wrote it, didn't he, Spike? I'm curious yeah, as to what yeah. his... What his uh, POV is as a script writer, I need to give that a read. Um, Malcolm X is a good one as well. Malcolm X is another goodie. Uh, in terms of educating yourself as well, if you have Netflix, if you have not watched it, please watch the documentary 13th. Yep. Please watch that. Um, uh, when They See Us, the series about when they the see us. Um, yeah. Central Park 5. Fucking hell. What else? If you kind of need a bit of lev- levity right now, but you also want to, you know, support black artists and, and learn a bit more about it, but also see black artists kind of taking back um, a lot of, of, of piss-takey stuff uh, via piss-takes, uh, yeah. uh, stuff that's gone against their culture. The whole thing is on YouTube in increments, um, but I'm sure you can find full, full episodes properly somewhere. Watch Comedy Central's Key and Peele. Cause you know, I mean, Keith yeah. Michael Key, wonderful. Yeah, Jordan Peele, very funny. fucking wonderful. If uh, you haven't already watched Get Out and Us, do that. But yeah. also, these two as a sketch show, like they, the sketch, the show is unashamedly a black show. Like it, do you know what I mean? It, its point of view is this is made by two black men. 
and yeah. it's about us and our sense of humor. It's not exclusionary. It's incredibly inclusive, but like you're going to be surprised, like by the amount of of you know reclaimed racial slurs used in it. But it's fucking wonderful, and again, it's mm-hmm. it's it it's about supporting a black artist right now, but also giving you your mind a bit of a break if what you want just for a bit right now is some to make you laugh, yeah. but still not you know still not stop supporting and everything. Go and give um, it a watch because it is a wonderful, wonderful recent like example of of black artists getting to be the sole pilots of the thing they're working on. Uh, also, if you haven't, um, then check out. Sorry to bother you. So 2018, yeah. Uh, yeah, sort of comedy, slightly absurdist comedy, but also drama. Um, written and directed by Boots Riley, got Lakeith mm-hmm. Stanfield in it, Tessa Thompson. Yeah, very, very, very good. And uh, another black-fronted heavy band, which everyone should give a listen to, is of course the magnificent Body Count, fronted by Ice T. Yeah. Um, especially their 2017 album uh which was called i want to say bloodlust i'm just going to check um spotify this is our hold music don't start playing spotify whatever you do um please don't Sorry, hang on. I'll I'll drown I'll drown out any potential leakage. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, Bloodlust, uh, which is their 2017 <laughs> album, um, is a particularly sharp cut mm. of um, again increasingly relevant. Fucking it, it's stuff that we're talking about stuff from three four years ago and from even longer in in some places. But this stuff is just the fact that this stuff is becoming more and more relevant is a testament to how fucking broken this system is um so yeah that's that's some things to check out alistair um this one next one comes in from uh super fan super fan uh simon who hey simon says carry as you mean to go on um <laughs> Says, hey, my fellow streamers, podcasters, and geniuses, how you doing, good sirs? First off, once again, man, thank you both for your continued efforts regarding podcasts and Twitch streams during this escalating mad and turbulent time. Hashtag Lives Lives Matter. Matt, with your Duke Doom adventures in backlogging and Chris with, at the time of typing, Uncharted 4 and our ever-loving and supportive OM squad. There for you and each other during the amount of time you're streaming. Spread love, laughs, and support so people who are on Twitch and want to join a friendly and supportive stream, as always, you, you know the drill, people who are listening... But Simon's just reinforcing it for you. Head to twitch.tv forward slash bigdamnstream or twitch.tv forward slash official cdj. Um, now, onto my main subject. What are your views on Carrie, 1976, 2002, and 2013, and the musical? Uh, and if you had to remake it, who would you cast? And would it work as a Netflix TV series so you could accommodate more scenes from the book into a TV series? Uh, I've recently become a fan of the original version and going to buy the book and Blu-ray soon. Sorry, it's a random and short email, but continue to be the supportive, creative, amazing, and entertaining big damn boys we know and love. Shout out and love to the Yom Squad, Lucy Kiki, PS Twitch fans. Yeah, we we know what our streaming schedule is, Simon. You don't have to tell us. <laughs> but, but thank, thank you, you for reinforcing <laughs> it. It, it. It means our subliminal marketing is working. Yes. Um, Strokes mustache. Strokes quarantine mustache. Uh, uh, my, my answer for Carrie is pretty short. 
I'm only familiar with the original movie. I'm only familiar with the original movie and the novel. I'm not familiar ah. with the 2002 TV. Well, I'm only, I'm only familiar with the original movie, the novel, and the tattoo I have on my back. Oh, nice. Uh, the, I'm not familiar oh, with the I 2002 <laughs> TV movie version. Um, oh, which was a who... backdoor pilot for a series, believe it or not. Um, but is it is it does it adapt the novel? Yes. So where do you go from there? I don't know. I have not seen it, nor any of the stuff that came out off the back of it. Um, <laughs> nor have I seen Carrie to the Rage. Um, is Spacek believe... in that one? No, uh, I believe that was a different script that was retooled into a Carrie sequel. Um, oh, like like American Psycho two. Yes. Oh, so weird. Uh, that but again, I have not seen it. I could not say. Uh, mm. Twenty thirteen. The that's the. Um, Chloe, then Chloe, Chloe Grace Moretz one. Yeah, yeah. now Chloe Moretz. That's the Chloe Moretz one. I have not seen. I heard it was fine. Uh, the musical <laughs> is notoriously terrible. Is it? Is it one of the bad uh, ones? Yeah. Is it, it one it, of the baddies? It, it got. It's one of the biggest flops in like American music theater history. Um, Damn. Well, until Turn Ooh. Off the Dark came along. Uh, oh. Which was, just a mess. Oh, uh, if I was to adapt it, I don't really get. Um, if I if I had to remake it, <clears throat> I don't know who I'd cast because it's quite. It is quite charged with like sexual awakening in a in a high school age girl, and I, I think that stuff you've got to be really careful how you tackle, and with your actors yeah. you've got to be really careful how you. Um, I mean, if you're adapting you it, you could always you could stuff. always age it up and it'd be more about a late bloomer. Yeah, yeah. Like you could you um, could always age it to the very end of senior year, for example, if you wanted to keep it high school. I mean, if and... if you are, I don't know, I don't know much about menstruation, but I you know more. You know more than J.K. Rowling, apparently. Uh, hey, but I don't know if <laughs> if it'd be a. I don't know if there are many girls who are still waiting on their first period at eighteen. True. Yeah, and it ties into that direct. Oh, I mean, I, I guess, guess I don't know much about menstruation. I could be wrong. You could and tie people it into. People, aren't, aren't it? You, I mean, if you are gonna if you are gonna keep it at the younger age, I think in terms of who you cast, I think you just cast an unknown and you make sure that the project is somewhere that everybody in it is completely involved and is aware of what they're making mm. from the top, like what message, what story they're telling, and how scary it's gonna be. Yeah. Um, and you, you, you know, you, you, you create a star making role. Um, I don't even think you could you necessarily have to have it as the uh, as the menstruation thing. I think it could be a you could retool it to be about. Um, coming out against the fundamentalist yeah. Christian I mean, upbringing. For, for for those who don't um, know, what's the what's the basic? What's like the the, the one the, sentence summary the of Carrie? Of Carrie is it's about a girl who is, um, she's quite shy and reserved, but she's raised in a, she's like a bit of an outsider at school because she's raised in a, by a single mother who is very like fire and brimstone fundamentalist Christian and also quite abusive. Um, and she has a first period in the locker room at in high school, and she doesn't know what's going on. So everyone, like the other girls, take the piss out of her. And she sort of, in addition to like sort of a uh, coming of age, she also unlocks sort of these latent telekinetic powers. Mm-hmm. Um, and her classmates, um, some of her nastier classmates, like plan to play a trick on her at prom. Um, sort of like a bullying thing, and it all sort of comes to a head, and she unleashes her 
a full telekinetic fury at a, mm. a high school prom gone wrong, uh, which gets very nasty for everyone. Uh, the, the 1976 movie directed by Brenda Palmer starring Chissy Spacek is very good. Uh, as I say, mm. I can't speak to the other two adaptions, but um, it was also the first novel that Stephen King got published, so uh, it was very much a career maker for him as well. Um, <laughs> Are there any implications <laughs> in the original novella of other people going through what she went through, specifically in relation Not, to telekinesis. It's, it's, it's been a long time since I've read the book, so... Because maybe I, that's how you adapt it. You yeah. tell a story of the town 30 years later, mm. where that, that night has become a bit of an urban legend, and you have, I like, think... a young man or a young girl who's kind of feeling outside of everything themselves and are seeing parallels with this this neighborhood yeah. folklore about this, this girl. And you know what I mean? So you kind of you kind of sequelize it in a yeah. way instead. Um maybe. That might be a way to go. Um but yeah I think it do a bit of updating and um, as I say maybe make it more about um <laughs> sexuality in a more modern way in terms of you know sexual preferences and gender identity more than just this poor girl doesn't know what a period is. Yeah. Um, and that will help and, and sort of play on that tension between the, um, like coming to terms with, with who you are and also uh, pushing against the sort of very fundamentalist white Christian bullshit. Um, which still is, exists throughout a lot of America. Yeah. Yeah. Which is very, yeah. um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, seeded, not rooted. Seeded. It's it's very. I don't want to use the word fundamentalist again, but it's very hardline about sexuality, gender identity, etc., yeah. etc. Et um, or at so least clo- it, it's, it's, it's closed. Off, it's closed off to learning. Yeah, as well. Like, so it seems it, to be very kind of. Yeah, the law yeah, doesn't like gays. It's like almost sort of sure? revels in ignorance. Yeah. Um, so I think if you're going to do a modern version of it, that's the kind of tension you need to ratchet in on. Um, you, ta- you tackle modern religious ignorance. Yes. Um, via, via depictions of struggling with one's sexuality. Yeah. But still um, have a bucket of blood. Yes. Also have a bucket of blood. Um, this next one comes in from uh, our new Doctor Who correspondent, Sam. Um <laughs> It's another uh, wonderfully um, sort of stream of consciousness emails. These things are a joy, <laughs> man, because they're just so unfiltered. Um, it says, hello, my beautiful people. This week, I'm going to take you back to 1995 and some other years. Let's go back to 1964 with Marco Polo. Marco Polo is the first of a lot of stories that are missing seven episodes, but none of the tele- episodes are alive. That's a great phrase. I love, I love your choice of words there, Sam. Uh, telesnaps for episodes one, two, three, four, five, seven. No telesnaps for episode six. Because Waris Hussein had some time off. Waris had telesnaps. But the man who did in episode six did not make telesnaps. The Crusade. Two episodes of this is missing. Two and four. The four copies of the episodes were destroyed. Telesnaps, I believe, for two and four. The target book is Doctor Who and the Crusaders. Now let's do something not so sad. Doctor Who yearbook from 1995. So did you watch the? Did you read the? What? What brought that on? <laughs> I, good information, but um, 
When, yeah, where, yeah, where do you get off? Did they, did, they, did they ever animate the missing episodes of the Crusaders? I don't believe so. Not, not, not to my knowledge. I think I've got the. I think I've binge. got. Um, I think I've got a rip of the loose cannon recons from knocking around somewhere. Oh, you love a good loose cannon recon. No, I fucking don't. I've, I've always said that about you. <laughs> Sitting in your caravan, your modern caravan, uh, pretending they, it's. A... <laughs> they did. They did some. You know, some work to try and fill those <laughs> gaps. Bless them, but it just doesn't doesn't hold up. They, um, they did. They did something. All right. Something not so sad. The Doctor U- the Doctor Who yearbook from 1995. This is so good. Lots of information about episodes and cast. As you can see here, I used to have this yearbook and I can confirm indeed that it was fucking great. Um, uh, are you playing the Tracer? Yeah, I just it was, she fall, fell over on my desk. Uh, so I'm giving her a, yeah, I was giving her a new spare hand and propping her up. Stop touching the book. Um, and... I'm not. Sam- I believe me. I'm not her type anyway. Yeah, so. true. Um, <laughs> cool, cool ass character design though. Um, it is. She's she, she's my she's my second main. It's the colours on the leggings, man, and on the brown, and then the brown like the leather top. It's it's just a good look. Um. Anyway, uh, Caesar. Uh, so it, Sam sent us a, a a scan of the of one of the pages, and it's and I remember this annual this yearbook slash annual because it's like a. The British sort of annuals that you'd get in all the shops where they, they come out in time for Christmas. That yeah, although yeah. nowadays they come out in like September. Yeah, yeah, and then they're um, on sale by the first of January. <laughs> but this one, it went through the show season by season, and it broke down the episodes, all the production and transmission dates, the writers, directors, producers, studios, locations, the ratings for all the stories, working titles, lists of unused stories. It's like it's really cool. Christ, um, I that's chocker. Yeah, and it's um, and you can tell it it was early on in the fandom because it uses uh, hundred thousand BC instead of uh, an unearthly child ah. um, for this for the for the blank for the umbrella title for that story, um, and it also has like the Daleks, aka the mutants, because it didn't have an umbrella story title. Um, so what was the mutants always called? Was that always just called the mutants then? Yes, yeah, by then they had umbrellas. They had they had umbrella story titles, didn't they? Although there is yeah. one episode of the Daleks serial called The Mutants, isn't there? I think, I think so, yeah. And then the working titles for the episodes like The Tribe of Gum, The Survivors Beyond the Sun for the Daleks, and A Journey to Cathay for Marco Polo. Yeah. Um, interesting how it peaked at 10.2 million viewers for Inside the Spaceship, which we now know as Edge of Destruction. Yeah. Um... But yeah, uh, well, it's because everyone it's because everyone had heard about the Daleks. They'd all steadily tuned in, and then yeah. the majority, the most people, just tuned in the week where there weren't any Daleks and went, "What the hell's this? Yeah. Why's a little girl running around with scissors? What's uh, happening?" Sam <laughs> says, "This is good. This is so good. Lots of information about episodes of cast, as you can see here, and he's got the picture. Uh, working titles, for example, Doctor Who, Under the Sea, The Fish People. Can you guess what episode? Go on, I can wait." Underwater Menace? Definitely Underwater Menace, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like, on the picture that he's sent of the season one page, it's got like unused stories were uh, The Giants by C.E. Weber, The Living World by Alan Wakeman, Robots, a.k.a. Masters of Luxor by Anthony Coburn, Britain 408 AD by Malcolm Hulk, The Hidden Planet by Malcolm Hulk, uh, A Minuscule Story with an Unknown Title by Robert Gould, The Red Fort by Terry Nation, uh, 
title unknown story by Margot Bennett, post Spanish Armada story with an unknown title by the David Whittaker. I bet the that, David Whittaker. I bet that all big finish audios now. Um, <laughs> anyway, Sam goes on to say, "Great if you pick the underwater menace. You are right. Production dates, for example, Spearhead from Space, thirteenth of September sixty nine to twenty second of November sixty nine. Nice. Unused stories like The Labyrinth by John Pertway and Reed de Ruin. Uh, locations, Plymouth in Devon. I like Exeter more, maybe because it's my city, or to HHH, your colony in space, because baby legs. If you would like this, get your own! <gasps> so I don't know what you're saying. I don't think Sam types these. I think Sam just says, okay, Google, dictate. <laughs> I love your enthusiasm. <laughs> but I have no idea what you're trying to say. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> and yes, if you do like that 1995 yearbook, do indeed get your own. It's worth... Um, <laughs> it's worth picking up it's a, if, you've, if you're if you into like old retro Doctor Who stuff because it is a neat little neat little thing. I loved it when I was a kid. See, I um, think the oldest collected volume I've got is... Uh, one second. It's... Uh, the, the key to time by Peter, Ah uh, Peter Haining, and it's a book released around the time of Colin Baker. Ah. It's, it's just like a collective thing about the show. It's the oldest I, Doctor Who book I've got in terms of. Um, I'm sure it will not surprise you to scenes. learn that my dad has a bunch of Doctor Who annuals. Of course, he's. Um, I mean, is that what he's been? Is that what he's been allowed to keep? Well, he's still got. He's still got some of his. <laughs> Tom Baker and Peter Davison ones from when he was uh, young. A nipper. When he was I've a got, kid. I've got, I've got like Tom's last one and Peter's three, I think, in in this room um, as well. Well, this the, the one, the one with like the pink and purple lines on the cover and the shot of him in the console room. He's got that. Oh, one. nice. Um, oh, pretty. And yeah, of course we had the nineteen ninety five year book. I think that one also had a couple of strips in. I think it had, if I remember correctly, that had, um comics from the Doctor Who magazine team which were sequels to Junkyard Demon and Star Beast and um one of them was a great vampire story that was like a pre it was like a prequel to Goth Opera, the Missing Adventures uh, yeah. novel. If I remember correctly. Um that yeah, that one had a bunch of cool strips in. Um Junkyard Demon was great. Um but yeah, that's it for this week. We've gone on oh for nearly God. two hours about bullshit. <laughs> and next bullshit. week, next week we turn four. Yes, so we're so, going to be doing what any self-respecting four-year-old does: going to get and, drunk and talk bullshit. Yeah, we're going to get near death levels of drunk, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, what do we mean? Please oh. look forward to that. Spoiler uh, warning. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, if you want to, folks, yeah, if you want to celebrate four years with us, maybe let us know what your favorite big damn moment has been, your favorite episode of Big Damn Love, which yeah. podcast been your favorite, which guest you'd like to see come back, like whatever it be, let us need. No, bigdamncontact at gmail.com <laughs> is the email. 
We'll try and read them out next week. Uh, also, <laughs> try, emphasis on try. Try. Uh, also, if you want to get in touch with us any of the time, on Twitter, at Big Damn Cast. You can see us on YouTube at the Big Damn Channel. And you can watch regular live streams of Adventures in Backlogging, a Big Damn Play from Matthew and myself on twitch.tv slash Big damn stream and most importantly if you can spare a couple shekels for some bonus material like access to the discord server support us on patreon.com slash big damn cash ooh mince ooh baby I love you I can smell your mints today (laughs) oh god I was just ignoring before you (laughs) see you next time